This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now, you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. However, they can be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account, at Seedlip underscore N-A. So head on over over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband, Shane. We are so glad that you could join us for happy hour for This Family Tree podcast, episode 122. We're back, baby. We're back, baby. We did, we were here last week. Were we? Yeah. I feel like we took a week off. I don't Before know. Before last week. Okay. We're, we're on track. Well, I'm back from my trip, which we'll <laughs> talk about later on. Uh, we've got a great episode, as per the usual, for you tonight. We have Drew Vernon. Drew is in kids development and toy marketing. So we talk about kids and screen time and what good options are out there in the form of toys for kids in lieu of, you know, getting them like addicted to screens as we do. Is this a we do. controversial episode? Is it? it no, I'm asking you. No, no. Oh, okay. Does it get heavy? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Shane, cheers, baby. We're just uh, keeping it simple. Doing the seed lip garden 108 and tonic. Fever tree tonic. Can't go wrong. It's simple. Right. It's delicious. It's a classic. Can you hear the bubbles? Maybe not. Yeah, it's beautiful. But Shane, how are we doing today? Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) He's saying that because it's been a long day. I'm not feeling great, personally. I'm a little bit at a loss because before we started recording, you said, I don't want to talk about anything negative, like how I'm tired or anything. And I said, okay, yeah, won't. We'll keep it happy. <laughs> and then I said, do you have any topics for the top to talk about? Yeah, I'll just talk about how I'm tired. <laughs> okay, so yeah, topic one, Alex Look, is tired. We're hitting it quickly because you know what? I didn't want to talk about it because it's just annoying and it's not the happiest, but it's not sad. And I think it's mostly hopefully relatable. And when I say hopefully relatable, I'm saying if anybody else has gone through this, please message me and tell me what you did and how you fix this. I don't even know if it's related to babies. I was gone just... through tiredness we're talking about. Okay, so every day at about three o'clock, I hit a wall. I mean, full speed into a brick wall and then I'm hurting. It's like I just have a heavy wave of exhaustion hit every single day at that time. So trying to figure out the cause, like I, I I feel it until we put the kids to bed. And then after that, I think I slowly get my groove back a little bit. I'm not feeling the groove coming back, but I do agree at about <laughs> three every day. 
you hit the wall. Mm -hmm. Is it possible it's adrenaline fatigue from maybe having too many coffees early in the day? Absolutely, it could be. I'm going to start logging my coffee intake. But when I'm at home, I drink more coffee than I do on the workday because I don't have the opportunity. I have one in the morning, maybe one at lunch, but not always. So it's two coffees several hours apart, you know? Could it be the lack of pelotoning? Like exercise? Yeah, that could definitely contribute. Because I've noticed you haven't been going on the peloton. I know, I know. Or exercising. Yeah. What, are you mad? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm, you're, <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything no, except so energy No, so I've actually, levels. last week, I was every single day doing a walk on my lunch hour. And I was going for like a really good power walk every day because I wasn't. I was coming home and I was really tired and not having the energy to Peloton. And then you were gone. So I I didn't really have time when you were gone because once the kids were in bed after doing that all by myself, I was so exhausted. And I'd let Lucy drag her bedtime out until like 7.30 when it's normally 6. It was a lot. So I was really, I was trying to exercise during the day, like on my break at work or on my lunch. And that was great. Um, But yeah, exercise definitely helps when I'm in a slump. But I I can't be too slumpy because I still need to have the ability to exercise. But when I get too slumpy, then I can't even do that because I'm just so exhausted. Like today. I got an idea. What? We get a punching bag every day. 20 minutes on the bag <laughs> or one of those speed bags that Tony Danza uses at the beginning of Who's the Boss montage. Yeah. What are those speed bags? Uh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Is that what they're called? Speed bags? It's yes. the official. See, I think a punching bag where you can just go full force would be so fun. Or that guy, you know, the... It's like I would the, love that. The guy, it's like a pink guy. Yes. We put a mustache on him. Yes. You're really mad at me and you're just beating the hell out of him. Shane, that would feel so good. Yeah. Wouldn't that feel good? I don't, I don't think it works the same if it's a woman and I'm just no. down there. So I can't relate, but I definitely feel, feel like you would like hitting me. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, something like that would be great. I did a couple boxing classes in my late teens, early 20s. Kickboxing. Taibo? No, kickboxing, like at Jocelyn's Karate. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun. Great workout too. Oh my gosh. Like my abs in three weeks got so defined but it was the best workout and it was such a release in that um but no I I think working out monitoring my coffee intake and I was looking up because there might be some uh correlation to breastfeeding okay because my body is still producing prolactin and oxytocin during certain times of the day i'm getting a spike in oxytocin then it's lowering again like all these things so it even could be from that i have no idea when are we planning on cutting out the breastfeeding betty's 18 months old Mm -hmm. she's getting up there yeah well i you know i i might get booked for a photo shoot right now that's based on nursing mothers so i mean we'll see if (laughs) maybe i'll cut it early if we don't book that so breastfeeding pays I guess so. Maybe. It hasn't paid yet, but it might. Okay. What's the longest you would go in your mind? Over two? No, I'd I'd cut it at two. Betty is showing no sign of wanting to stop or slowing down. Like, you see her every day, right? She's champing at the bit, at the nip, one might say. Is there a cat barfing around the corner? We're (laughs) house-sitting. Not house-sitting. We're cat-sitting at our house, and uh, 
Alex's parents have gone on vacation. It sounds like a cat's barfing, though. Is she? I don't see her. Is it the wind? Oh, it could be. Sometimes wind sounds like cat barf. <laughs> <laughs> you know that old thing. Okay, maybe I'm hearing things. I'm still having hearing problems from a, a flight. Uh, how about that for a second? Yes, segue? I love this. I went on a trip. Shane went on a trip, <clears throat> a, a work trip. And I, you know, I was a little bit sick, not COVID, obviously, because I wouldn't be able to fly if I had COVID. But I feel like I've been sick for a month. I'm still sick mm-hmm. after this trip. Uh, but I was cast in a music video. The main role, aside from the artist, I, it was a speaking role. It was it was one of those music videos that has a like a part where I guess the music cuts off and then a guy talks. <laughs> I'm the guy that talks when the uh, music cuts off, and it's for an artist called Lights, but she lives in Vancouver, mm-hmm. so she flew me out just for this role, and they needed someone with a mustache. I guess there's not a lot of people with mustaches in Vancouver. <laughs> Be- initially, I assumed, because as people know, if you listen to this podcast on the regular, I did a sketch show pilot, and I passed it around to some friends. I assumed she saw the pilot thought Shane's an amazing actor right. and he has a mustache. I have to fly him out, <laughs> pay for him to get here. It was two nights at a yeah. fairly nice hotel and I was flattered. Mm-hmm. On set though, I was like, hey, what'd you think of the sketch show? Like begging for compliments to likes. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm like sketch show. I did. The, I assume that's why I'm here. <laughs> She's like, no, it's just because you have a mustache and I know you. Is that what like, she said? Yeah. <laughs> She was kind of kidding, though, but she was kind of serious. And I was like, oh. And to her credit, though, there was not a lot of people walking around with mustaches in Vancouver. I think that's a very out of fashion thing. That is hilarious. Well, I was assuming it's because Lice's manager is also like helps manage your other podcast, The Best Hang, and our, friend, our other friends. And I was assuming that maybe Ash said something to her. Yeah, but maybe, but they're in Vancouver. It's a it's a lot of work to fly a guy out there. Well, plus they needed the vibe, Shane. And you you can bring that vibe in an acting way. That's all I wanted very was well. that compliment. Yeah. Yeah. You That's can... what I was looking for. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, it's like the sleazy I oh. say wait, no, 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 no. Sleazy Troy McClure. That's not better. It's what, not? I, no, no I think, but it's a good vibe to act, and you're good at acting that is what I'm saying. Am I, is it acting or am I playing myself? No, it's not yourself. It's it's like an acty role, and you're good at doing that character. Okay, and you don't think they could have found anyone who could have done it better in Vancouver area? <laughs> I'm still at a loss why they couldn't find somebody in Vancouver, but I think it's hilarious. I I like that they wanted you for it. Yeah, me too. Like, I just I'm want someone. On your yeah, I just want someone to. I don't know. Give me a reason of why they would send me in a positive way and not be at a loss. Like maybe my wife could no, be well, supportive. I told you why I think it was. Why? And I made I made it pretty clear. I just didn't know if I should say it on the podcast. Say it. We'll delete it. Okay. Well, it's because of the possibility of the sketch show, even if you hadn't seen it. And they know that it's going to be hit. And they know that you're going to be a superstar comedy celeb after it. And they wanted you to be in their video. So when people are looking up old Shane Cunningham and all the sketches, they're going to see you in the Lights music video. And then they benefit because of your success. Even though she's more successful now, you're going to be the bigger star. 
Okay. Wow. You really went off the deep end. You went from not complimenting me <laughs> to going way too far. So it's really feast or famine with you, Alex. Well, Do not delete that. I like that theory, even though it's obviously not true because we've found out in this last five minutes that lights. Shane, would she, yeah, but would she want to admit that? That she was using you for your future star power? She would not want to admit that. I don't think that's how she would frame it. She would say, I saw your sketch show. I thought you'd be great for maybe this she film. didn't see it though and she was being honest about that and just heard about it and didn't want to admit that she didn't see it so just freaked out and was like "Ooh, lots of theories flying around about it but <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting time did you miss me what was the let's not be negative this episode so no. what was the best thing about me being away from the house okay the best thing was going to bed early but then i never fell asleep early i i, I can't sleep well when you're gone or you know it's, I don't like being alone in bed. It kind of freaks me out. But it was nice once I did fall asleep. I was just starfishing on that bed, Shane. I had all the pillows piled up. I had one pillow under my right arm, one pillow under my left arm. And I was the queen of the bed. And it felt amazing. Plus, the house stayed oddly, beautifully clean. The implication being I'm the problem in the house? I, maybe you influence problems with other people because it's not just you. But the house was very clean all week just saying how could i influence problems what do you mean i don't know i don't know maybe we're all having too much fun when you're around to tidy up well, <laughs> yeah I, I, it must be easier to clean when it's just one person yeah one person two kids but no it, it was it was pretty good but yeah definitely the sleeping as much as i like sleeping with you in the bed it was a nice break to just be able to totally take over and i like that what about you um yeah having my bed big bed to myself watch whatever i want on tv because with you i can't really watch sports i've realized you're not a good sports watcher Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah i could watch a basketball game if it was on and freedom no kids obviously no kids i love the children but it's nice to go on a four-hour walk and not care about it (laughs) i'm just exploring the city yeah did I get in some fights while I was out on my walks? Yeah, a few. I don't. I didn't think people of Vancouver were particularly nice to me. I didn't like anyone who worked at a coffee shop out there. The bike lanes, <laughs> I accidentally for 10 seconds walked in a bike lane because I'm new to the city and it oh, no. looked like an... And a bike went by and ding-dinged me, like ding-ding and grumbled like, oh, fuck, I'm fucking asshole. Said something like that to me. What do you think I did? How do you think I reacted to that, Alex? Were Did you jump and pop out of the bike lane and get scared? Or did you react back? I chased that person. No, you didn't. I chased them. No. Yes. What? You were in the wrong. Why? No, I, it was, I walked in a bike lane <laughs> for 10 seconds <laughs> and <laughs> a guy dinged at me. Fine. Ding at me. Ring your bell. You can do it. A bell ring nice. And then he grumbled and was like, oh, motherfucker. Like, since he didn't swear. It was like Joe Pesci swearing from Home Alone yeah. where he's just like grumbling. And I, I boot it. And I'm wearing boots. So I'm actually booting it. And I'm running so fast. I actually caught up to him. What? A- as he's getting off his bike and he's attaching it to a tree. But it was quite the run. Okay, wait, quite wait, wait, a long wait. time. Were you expecting to catch him? And if you were, what you were ex- what were you expecting to do once you caught him? Confront them. And yes, I always expect to catch my man when I'm in a pursuit. I'm like T-1000. You know me. When I'm on a mission, remember at Disney World? Yes. When somebody oh, yes. wronged you for a second, 
I ch- I chased that person. We could, he got lost in the crowd. Yeah, though. you were in a uh, with a stroller making yeah. your way through Disney World. Busiest and, day of the year. And somebody swore at you at the quote unquote happiest place on earth and was mm-hmm. like, "Move your fucking stroller" or something. Mm-hmm. Man says this to you, so I chased him. Yeah. And I just kept chasing and chasing and chasing. <laughs> Eventually, I lost him in the crowd because it was the busiest day of the year. But um, I'm big into confronting rude people. So wait, wait, how did this confrontation go down? So I catch up to him. So although I did, yes, expect to catch up to him, by the time I caught up to him, it was I was like, what exactly do I say here? Because he didn't swear. So I couldn't be like, hey, did you swear at me? So I needed to find the words. Yeah. And the, they had to come to me quickly because I'm approaching him. And I'm like, okay, this guy's about 66. Okay. Oh, no. So and then he can tell I'm approaching. So he just doesn't make eye contact. And I go, hey, did you grumble at me? You didn't say that. I said grumble, yeah. And he's like, what? No. Just denies it. Oh, my God. So I'm like, oh. Like, it it seemed like you did. It seemed like you rang your bell and you grumbled. (laughs) It sounded like you said, like, fuck you or something like that. I said, (laughs) and he's like, I didn't. He goes, I I wouldn't do that, but I will say this. People on the bike lane, they're walking there too much. And when I ring my bell, they swear at me. So I'm scared of someone saying, fuck you to me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm scared of that just happening to me because I just got to the city. I've been here 15 minutes and already I get someone, even though I was I was there for a few days, but I, wanted, yeah. I, I exaggerated. And then uh, he's like, oh, where are you from? <laughs> and I was like, Toronto. He's like, what are you doing here? I was like, I'm shooting a music no. video. And then we just talked about how I was there to shoot a music video. Shane, that is so funny. First of all, that's getting called eating alive when you you're mean? in when you're in a new city and uh, the city gets you. You know, guy grumbles at you, but I like that you fought back, and yeah. you guys ended up friends in the end. I think the world needs more of people being a little mean to each other, realizing it's a misunderstanding, and being friends. I was taking out my aggression on him because I had been to two coffee shops like 20 minutes before that. The first coffee shop, I tried to get a delicious breakfast sandwich. Mm -hmm. It was terrible. The staff was mean to me. They weren't nice. And it was $20, wasn't it? It was 20 bucks. Yikes. Vancouver's very expensive, but I'm on like a mini vacation, so I'm living it up. (laughs) I'm getting paid for a weird gig. And yeah, I was upset. Then I went to another coffee shop and they weren't nice to me there. I tipped them a dollar on like a $2 coffee and they wouldn't even look at me. They just handed me. So I'm thinking, geez, I'm really unpopular in Vancouver. And then I took it out on this man who dinged his bell and may or may not have grumbled, fuck you to me. Shane, maybe it is the stash. If people are walking around Vancouver stashless, maybe the stash on a younger guy throws them off. Possibly. That could be it. It's weird. I will say, I've never left Vancouver and thought, oh, wow, what a warm city. This city has some really nice people. And if you're from Vancouver, I love you. But, I mean, your city doesn't always make me feel welcome. Toronto's not that nice either. I just think major cities, there's too much hustle and bustle. You're just a decimal point. You don't matter. It's not Um, that small town. Halifax. Halifax is more small town, though. Yeah, but it's still a big city. It's 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 one of Canada's it's big more, city. <laughs> it's one of Canada's more well-known cities and the people there are warm. Everyone on the East Coast has a small town mentality though. Yes, and it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. I will say this about Vancouver. Everyone wears a mask outdoors walking around. Oh, really? Yeah, it was almost annoying. Like I liked the due diligence, but mm. 
it's not like that in Hamilton. When you leave your house, typically you're not wearing a, yeah. a mask. Everywhere you look, everyone's wearing a mask. So I just outside would be wearing a mask. See? And it started hurting my ear because I'm, I wore my mask so much in Vancouver and on set, obviously, right? I have to wear yeah. my mask except when I'm acting that I have like a, it still hurts above my ear from that string. <laughs> and no wonder they all had really nice like cotton $70 masks on. But but like the regular medical mask hurt your ear and your head? Yes, it did. That's wild. Yeah, you're looking at me like I'm less of a man or No, something. just like just like made out of butter. No, it as in soft. You wear one for nine. <laughs> I'm t- I'm talking twelve hours. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a long time. It's a long time. I only wear one like I wear one for how long? Like uh, an eight hour day, but that's it. And it's fine by the end of that, but you know, twelve hour days long. Yeah, but you take it off if you go outside for lunch break or something. It's true. Yeah, it's true. But Shane, you got any more for the top, or should we? Yeah, should we yeah get I want to. What was the worst part of being without me? Oh, right. The worst part about being without you is I, I get bored if I don't have somebody to talk to at night. Okay, but w- with the kids, was the parenting harder than you thought it would be or easier without another? Bedtime was hard. Bedtime took forever. Bedtime took for like freaking forever. And that was really hard. Everything else was fine. But did you hear that noise? Yeah. A that was my tummy. Your tummy sounds like a cat it barfing? There's a cat it wasn't barfing, barfing its head off Shane, somewhere. Went, okay. That was my tummy. <laughs> that wasn't the noise I heard then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no tummy makes that noise for the record. <laughs> Mine just did. Anyhow, it was, yeah, you not being here for bedtime, but that wasn't my least favorite part. My least favorite part was not having you to hang with because I do enjoy hanging with you. So, yeah, I, I wish I could have hung with you. Plus, I was like really freaking out about you know possible nuclear war and i was really getting depressed about that and i was like oh i just wish i had somebody to talk to and kind of ease my mind about everything you hear that no where is she okay i think it is the wind (laughs) (laughs) sorry there's no cat inside yes but okay ukraine yes yeah obviously that is on everyone's mind that's a terrible thing to think of the what? Why are you smiling? Oh no, because I just because I brought up something like the most horrific negative thing in the world, and I was the one who was saying no negativity. But okay, Lou got on the paper though. We donated yes. things to uh, Ukraine. There was a people in Hamilton or yeah. collecting items that they're shipping off to the Ukraine, and you know we decided to bring some items, and Lucy helped us carry them. And of course, it's a photo op for the Hamilton Spectator, which is our local newspaper. And Lou's already been on the cover once before for <laughs> for climate change. She had yeah. a, she was holding a sign that said, "What I want to I want a warm bottle, not a warm planet." Yeah, made the front page. She made the front page of the paper again. Yeah, because Lucy, on her own volition, decided to make a sign that said "I love you" to ship off to the people in Ukraine. So that's obviously wish she didn't we didn't have to be donating to ukraine right now but it was kind of a sweet moment yeah it, well, in the it was, midst of all this it was so cute because i was trying to get like you and i were trying to get the kids packed up so we could go down and bring all our goods down to the church that was collecting and i'm like lucy come on like you're taking so long come on like let's just get let's get ready and she goes but mommy and then she got the most big puppy dog eyes she stuck out her lower lip and she goes i just wanted to make a love letter for a little girl in ukraine 
And it's like my heart was just torn open. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, you make that letter. And then it was like the cutest thing, right? Like she just because she has a basic understanding. I told her these people had to leave their homes because there's fighting. And that's all I want to give her. But she she took that to heart and, and she was really empathetic. And yeah, it was super sweet. But Shane, what was your least favorite part of being away from home? Well, it was much, yeah, I guess, you know, there wasn't a lot of love and affection going on. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I, might have I said not to a say. lot, you know. <laughs> there was some very nice baristas there. Well, like they weren't all be- mean to me. I'm kidding, Alex. I know there's no humor in that. <laughs> I'm not cheating on you with a Vancouver barista. <laughs> let's start. Let's go to the interview. Okay. Wait, no, I want to hear the least favorite thing. Well, you missed my love and affection. Yeah. Oh, not being around the kids too is the best part. It's the worst part. I was the flight. I don't like flying. I always think I'm going to die. I always think I'm never going to see the family again. So when it, before my flight, I start looking at pictures of the children yeah. and the wife. And I, <laughs> I, you know, I would send you pictures and yeah, say, nice. I love you in case I explode midair. I always think a plane's going to explode midair. I appreciated that because I, I was nervous. I was like, well, what if his plane does explode in midair? I was glad you said I love you and, you know, sending me nice things. I appreciated yes. that. But on that note, let's hit it with Drew. <laughs> but before we hit it with Drew, let's let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs, the makers of the best, most comfortable, most practical bra so you can get your hands on. It's the only bra I allow in this household. <laughs> It's the only bra company that we actually talk about on like a daily basis. Yeah, it's true. I got hooked on them when I started using their nursing bras because as I said, they are so practical and you know how chafed your nipples get when you are breastfeeding after you've given birth. It's tough, isn't it, Shane? I know because I'm oiling them up sometimes, so I see how chafed they get. (laughs) (laughs) But nothing felt good on them when I was breastfeeding except for the Bravado bras. They really are like just butter. It's so nice. But now they have an everyday collection. These are bras that aren't just for nursing mothers. They don't have clips. They are just for everyday wear. Look great underneath a t-shirt. You can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website ca.bravadodesigns.com to get the everyday collection. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that's bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. And now let's get to our interview with Drew Vernon. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Been better, Drew. I'm waiting on a COVID result right now. So. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, feel, feeling terrible, but happy to be here interviewing. I haven't done anything else all day, so this actually feels nice. Uh, well, uh, that's a bummer. I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that you're under the weather. It's okay. It's okay. I don't normally sound like this if I sound uh, supremely nasally and everything. I think my voice is much more well-suited to radio on other days, but... We're going to go with it. All right. Yeah, the show must go on, right? (laughs) All right, Drew. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this Family Tree podcast. We are really happy to have you here. Of course, we talk a lot about screens. We have two young kids. We have a three three and a half year old, almost four year old, and then an almost two year old. With the pandemic, with my possible COVID right now, my husband is in the same boat as me. We've been getting on a screen time, honestly, more than... I ever thought I would. This was 
it was a hill I was ready to die on. I wanted to never do too much screen time. I never even wanted to be at a spot where I was like questioning whether it was too much. And I know that there have been times in this pandemic where we have hit that and surpassed it. And I want to I want to talk about that. Obviously, we're going to get into that this interview. But what is your background? And I know you uh, work for Tony's. You have worked for Lego in the past. But how did you get into children's education development? Yeah, I I want to say it was by accident, but I think <laughs> I, I'm feeling increasingly like called called to it. So I you know I went to business school for marketing. I came out of uh, that experience going to P and G, working on some big brands. I uh, spent some time in beauty. And I was learning a lot about marketing, but I just, it wasn't really fun for me. I, I just wasn't naturally curious about, you know, $5 bottles of lotion and $7 tubes of mascara. <laughs> so I wanted to do something more fun. And, and fortunately I had an opportunity to go over to Lego uh, and uh, just by accident, truly, uh, I was put on the preschool brands, uh, which is Duplo and at the time Lego Juniors. And it was kind of during that time that I had some success with some campaigns that I ran. And I really started thinking of myself, not just as a marketer, but as a childhood advocate mm-hmm. and a proponent for childhood development. And so that's kind of what I've carried with me as I've come over to Tony's. Uh, I'm still a marketer, but uh, I'm doing it through the lens that, you know, we can do better for our children, uh, whether in the home setting or a classroom setting. And so that's kind of what I'm on a mission to do now. So with Lego, you were you had a campaign that was promoting screen-free education. What, what was that called? Yeah, at the time, it wasn't about uh, screen-free. Uh, I created a program called Prescription for Play. Right. So I teamed up with uh, pediatricians across the country uh, to promote parent-child play. Uh, and they, you know, a, a parent would bring their child in at an 18-month or 24-month wellness checkup, and the doctor would give them uh, a prescription card and tell them to play with their kids for 15 minutes a day and, and give them a little product sample. And it was just really successful, really quick. And that's kind of when like a light went off in my mind that like when you get the right uh, incentives at play, which is, you know, doing it for the children, uh, you can really create some some amazing campaigns. Well, that is so similar. Have you heard of the 10 minute miracle? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. So we've had these women on the podcast before. They're great. Um, big little feelings. They're huge online. And they have something like if your child is going through behavioral issues or whatever, it's like a cure-all for, Mm. you know, an array of childhood issues. But it's 10 minutes, which is actually, it's such little time. But if you are following this, it makes such a difference. So it's 10 minutes of total focus in what your kid wants to do, not being distracted by something in the background, not with another child or your spouse in the room, not on your phone not doing anything and playing how your child wants to play, which so few parents actually find the time to do because we're always multitasking. But doing that, that 10-minute miracle, and we found with our daughter even, it helped so much with behavioral issues when we had our second child. But that falls right in there. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. I'd love to to learn more about that. I I found with prescription for play, it wasn't the quant the quantity of time, but it was just getting into the habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, daily habit, even if it's small. So, you know, 10 minute miracle, you know, prescription for play, 15 minutes a day with your kid. I think it's really those small things that get your attention and focus onto your child. And, and I think you can do some awesome stuff no, uh, that way. And now getting into screen time, which is, as I said, our issue 
as of late that I never thought would be an issue for us because we're super active people. How do you, how do we know? Like when is our kid getting too much? What's too much? Yeah. Uh, you know, every parent is going to decide that for themselves. Like I was right there with you, you know, two years ago, I wouldn't give my kids more than an hour a day because that's what people, you know, the yeah. associations or whatever, they'd say no screen time up till two and then, you know, up to an hour a day. And I feel like as a community or as a society, generally people are adhering to that, you know, everybody, but what, uh, what shocks me is how much we've become desensitized and now it's two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours. And to answer your question, like you start to see the behavior changes when your kid has been on a screen too long, uh, you turn it off and they have a tantrum. They can't keep a conversation or I, you know, you know, they can't look at people when they're talking. Like it really is turning into a, a big epidemic. And I think we need to address that. What is the poison of choice for your kids? This is it blippy? I don't know how old they are. How old are your children? Uh, so I have three. I've got a 12 year old, a nine year old, and uh, almost six. Uh, she'll be six okay. on Saturday. You know, I just because I've been in the childhood space, like I, I like to think I do better most of the time. Uh, I try to get my kids on an educational show first, and then, you know, maybe a second show I'll let them pick, but they've gone through everything from, you know, Bakugan to Pokemon to, you know, I, my kids are a little too old for Blippy, but uh, I know that Blippy and Pokemon are, are taking over the world right now. Oh, they're horrendous. They're horrendous. But luckily, I've got them on, I have two daughters, and we're on at least like strong female role model shows and movies. Raya, which is a little too old for them, but they like it anyway. So I'm going to have like two sword fighters or something when they grow up. But what what would you recommend? If if somebody has to throw on the screen to make dinner or do something, what is somebody that's in that educational field recommending? I mean, I think that that's a great question. You can get a lot of educational material out of the, the more popular entertainment, entertaining shows, you know, your Peppa Pigs, uh, you know, Paw Patrol, things like that. You know, I, I grew up on like the PBS shows and the shows that are actually designed. You know, I work a lot with Sesame Street. Um, amazing. It's been interesting to, and I watched the the documentary recently and, and just talking to them and the, the values that they bring using a screen and using television, but doing it in a very deliberate way. And they've been doing that for 50 years. And, you know, I'd still recommend shows like Sesame Street because there's so much passion and, and not just engagement, but research of how things are um, affecting children. So I'd probably say Sesame Street. I love Sesame Street. No, that, that's a big one here too, because they, you know, we actually, we had Emma Wiggle on the podcast a couple times and she talked about how everything they do is based in education and research and everything and how it's for development, right? And everything like is laid out, the repetition, the slow speaking, everything like that. And Sesame Street is exactly the same in their goals, I guess. But why should we as parents? Because I think like you said, we get desensitized, right, yeah. to the amount of our kids are watching because I think we are desensitized to screens ourselves. It's like a huge problem. I've been thinking about this the other day. I saw my screen time thing pop up on my phone and I was like, holy shit, that's how many hours of screen time I had yesterday? Like, that's absurd. I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. I'm ashamed. But then everything, like my friendships, my work, everything on the phone. And if I'm working from home, it's doubling, right? Yeah. But why should we actively care 
and be concerned about how much screen time our kids are getting? I think for several reasons, you know, they do see us on screens all the time. And like, I think every parent, you know, has that in the back of their mind. Like I use screens all day long for work. Like, like you were saying, like I'm here, you know, touting the benefits of screen-free learning and entertainment and I'm here on a screen all day. So, you know, I, I do acknowledge the, the paradox <laughs> that that is, you know, in addition to the behavior issues um, that I mentioned with just having your kids exposed to the blue light, I think having too much screen time limits their opportunity for developing their own creative muscle that comes with taking upon the creative responsibility from the things that you hear, the stories that you listen to. Uh, if you don't have the visual stimulus, it puts that responsibility on you. And if it's always being given to you, you're not going to be flexing that muscle. So for that reason, I think it's, it's good to uh, give your children screen-free ways to take information and stories. Okay. So one thing that you mentioned, I got to ask about, you said the blue light limiting their blue light. Is that a thing? I thought this was a scam by companies who want to sell me the glasses. I'm, I'm not a researcher. I'm not an academic. I'm not making (laughs) any claims. All I can tell you is I'm a parent and I see a behavior change when my kids are on screens too long. I hear about stuff like blue light. So, you know, I, I say blue light as if I, I know, but like, Honestly, I I know what I see and I see uh, a lot of bad effects that come from, you know, kids being plugged in too long. No, absolutely. Absolutely. We see behavioral effects at our house, like not in that their behavior goes bad all of a sudden, but in that they get disconnected and less likely to play well or talk to us, things like that. And that's how I know, okay, we got to shut down for the day. We've had too much. But, you know, you mentioned storytelling. And I want to talk about the power of storytelling and how important that can be for child development. But of course, you're in that field. So what what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I am a big fan of the hero's journey, which uh, you're probably familiar with, Joseph Campbell. Uh, Basically, the framework of a lot of our most beloved stories, you know, starting with probably the Bible, uh, but, you know, like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, you know, all of these stories boil down to, uh, and Joseph Campbell in the hero's journey, he'll talk about like 17 different points. I boil it down to three for, for kids. You know, most good stories have a hero who overcomes a challenge to get to a reward. And I think that's the basic framework that we can teach our kids that, you know, that's how you put a story together. And, and the reason why that's important is because if kids hear enough of these stories about heroes overcoming challenges, they start to think, well, what if I'm the hero of my own story and how do I overcome the challenges that I'm going to face? And so then it becomes a message of uh, creativity and also of empowerment. And I think that's the value of storytelling for kids. Yeah. And I will say, even just thinking about that, the Epic of Gilgamesh, you're not, if you're not familiar with that, like that's, the, I don't know, 4,000 years old and a hero's journey, right? Exactly. You know, the Odyssey yeah. is another one. Like it's been around for for hundreds, thousands of years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I see our kids too, because we try to integrate a lot of things into storytelling. You know, like our kid, she's been having these nightmares about uh, kids laughing at her at school. I don't know what she, where she got that fear from, if it is something that she experienced, if it's something she saw on a show, but she's been waking up in the morning terrified because these kids are laughing at her. And I'm like, oh, that's so sad. So it's like when things like that happen, we try to integrate that into the stories we tell her, I'm just trying to make her feel better. But yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think stories, you know, they can teach, but they can also entertain or they can, you know, take your attention away to a different world. And sometimes it's it's great to explore a world of fantasy or, you know, a different world. Uh, and then ultimately you bring it back to where you are and, and hopefully you learn from it. And now thinking about like, okay, like how TV, it, it guides them way too much, right? And it gives them no room to breathe and like you said, flex their creative muscle. What's another step up we can take rather than reading a picture book that has on every single page the action? Like what's one step up from that where they can get even more practice flexing that muscle? Yeah, so I, uh, it's a little difficult to explain. I, I see a big cavern between a completely, I shouldn't, um, not a cavern, like a chasm between completely blank experience, like a white canvas experience and a very structured step one, step two, step three. So when you watch TV, it's a very structured experience because it's, it's limited in its interactivity. And, and it used to make the analogy when I was at Lego, I went to Lego and I saw 90, 95% of what we sold was a box that you open up, you dump out and you've got an instruction booklet. Here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. And, you know, at the end of following the instructions, you have your spaceship or your castle or your pirate ship or whatever. And then you say, oh, well, we also have the big yellow buckets of bricks and and you can dump those out and make whatever you want. And that's fine. But the gap was uh, how to how to bridge that from an unstructured experience to a a structured one. And, And so to get back to your question, we do that by giving a creative prompt of giving somebody a start and kind of like a boundary to stay within, that's what helps guide them to uh, a work of art. And, and so I think with a picture or a story, give some, give them a prompt and, and let them work off of that prompt because that's where creativity lives is, is within the constraints that you give them. So in your experience, because I know we're talking about like getting away from screen time, but in your experience, is there a time when technology, and I, I know technology obviously takes so many different forms, but where it can be used to help improve early childhood education? Yeah, I'm I'm all for technology. And the Tony Box is actually quite an advanced piece of technology. It's just, you know, most of the technology is on the back end where, you know, it's still as intuitive enough uh, that a two or three-year-old can operate it. Okay, I got, I got to stop you and ask you because I had no idea what the Tony Box was until we started emailing. And I'd like you to explain this, not just to me, but to the listeners. I'm from Canada. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but <laughs> it looks really cool. And I just, I don't know what it is though. It looks cool. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So the Tony Box is a, is a screen-free speaker for kids. It was actually started in Germany about six years ago by a couple of dads who met on the board of a preschool together. Uh, they saw their kid's teacher was using, you know, CD players uh, to play songs and stories in the classroom <laughs> and like, CDs at this point are, are what, 30, 40 years old. Uh, They scratch, they break, and it requires an adult. Like you have to open up the little plastic case. I don't know. I was like a Napster kid back in the day. (laughs) You got to open up uh, the case and put it on. Like it's difficult, if not impossible, for a three-year-old to do. And so the founders created this box that replaces and upgrades a CD player to play different types of media content. And they do it by using these little uh, plastic figurines called Tony's. So each one has got a magnet inside and an RFID chip. So when you place it on the box, it'll use Wi-Fi to download that story onto the box. And so it's something that a two or three-year-old can do with or without adult supervision. 
and they can navigate the story or the song experience through tactile touch. So if you want to move to the next track, the kid just gives it a whack on the side of the box. If they want to fast forward it, they tilt, tilt it at a 45 degree angle. And then to stop the content, you just remove the Tony from the box. So it's great because it'll play songs, it'll play stories. We do uh, educational content. We also have uh, creative Tonys, which are blank. And so kids can write their own stories and their own songs and uh, record it onto the figure. That is cool. That is so cool. And I saw that you, you guys have like popular characters. Like I saw some Paw Patrol characters. I saw Disney characters. So what would they do? Like if I had the aerial one, what would that do? Uh, so the aerial one, each of the Disney Tonys is going to have about, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of content, usually about four, three or four songs from the movie, as well as like a 15 minute retelling of the story. So we do everything from the popular, you know, entertainment licenses with, you know, Disney, Pixar, Universal, uh, some of the storybook favorites like Pete the Cat, Llama Llama. Uh, we've got Dr. Seuss coming, the world of Eric Carl. And then, like I said, we get into the educational content too. So we've uh, got a partnership with National Geographic. You can learn about space, uh, marine life, dinosaurs, um, things like that. And how is something like this going to help childhood development over TV, over you know other forms of tech that they could be, I guess, using? Yeah, so it is screen free. So you've got that aspect where they're uh, required to visualize the story that they're hearing. Uh, we know that the first step towards literacy is listening to reading. So this is basically an automated device that children can use whenever they want to access an audio library. So it uh, aids in their uh, literacy skills. And then again, I'm a huge proponent of, of moving kids from a consuming experience of listening to something into a creative experience, which is to write it themselves. And that's kind of the transition from our content Tonys to our creative Tonys, where the child is the creator. Okay, so you've got three kids, you know, different age groups, all older than ours. How have you, you know, integrated that aspect of it at home, like taking them from being the consumer, like mm -hmm. the listener to one of the creators? Yeah, so uh, I have been at Tony's for about two years now. So my youngest was about three at the time. So she's still uh, into uh, listening to the the Tony, uh, the content Tonys. Uh, my older ones, you know, they're focused on older content. But what I've done with them is uh, going back to my other, uh, my earlier point about the the creative prompt. Uh, if I tell my kids to go record something on a creative Tony, they'll go like spend like two minutes and they'll do some gibberish and they'll come back and then they'll start fighting again. And so what, one day uh, I said, Hey, I, I want you to write a poem about worms and I want it to be four verses and I want it to rhyme. And I just gave a few guidelines and I was surprised my, my uh, 12 year old, she was 11 at the time. She went off into the corner and for probably 45 minutes was just scribbling notes and writing this poem out. And then we came back and recorded it on the Tony. So we've got it, you know, forever. She can listen to it anytime she wants. And I just thought, you know, this is great. If children know kind of what's expected of them in terms of the, the guidelines, they will actually create something, you know, thoughtful. Uh, and in the case of Tony's, they can record it as a keepsake. See, okay. Did you ever see the painting that uh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West's daughter did at seven years old? Uh, no, I haven't seen it. It's, it's like a Bob Ross original, you know, beautiful oh, right. landscape. It's insane. I couldn't do that now if I tried. And everybody on the internet was like, that's not possible. A seven-year-old can't do that because 
people like me can't do that. But the art teacher came on and she got online. She was saying, actually, if you give kids, you know, teach them how to do each part of the whole and then give them a task every day. So like today we're doing this one tree. Tomorrow we're doing these clouds. And you give them guidelines. You give them the lesson. They have the ability to absolutely paint beautiful Bob Ross style landscapes. And it's so it's so hopeful, I think, for a lot of people, but also hard to believe because I think as adults, I know I don't put myself in situations like that where I can be uncomfortable and like testing my talents to a degree that, you know, things that I'm not good at. But kids have the ability, like they don't know what they're good at. They don't know that you can be terrible at things sometimes. So I, I think they're in a really unique position to learn. Yeah. And you know, that's how it goes. It's before you are good at something, you're terrible at something and you keep doing it. And I think, you know, a lot of us, and I don't want to be too cynical, but a lot of us were (laughs) kids and we had this dream and we had this aspiration. And then we went through school and we learned how to study to take a test. And we learned how to uh, memorize the answers for a test just long enough to take the (laughs) test. And, you know, at least this was my experience, you know, going up through elementary school into high school and college and, and, you do learn like skills and you get knowledge, but I I think we lose some of that childhood innocence that we can put our mind to something. And if we stick at it, that will be bad. And then we'll be a little less bad and then we'll be okay. And then pretty soon we'll be pretty good at it. And if we instill that in our kids, we can actually see that they can do some incredible things at young ages. Absolutely. Well, so I'm in education as well. Yeah. So I, I'm a high school teacher and I see the death of independent thought every day when I go in because students and kids are too nervous to take a risk and try to think of something creatively or put their idea out there because I I chalk it down to information being so accessible. Like Mm -hmm. if I ask them a question, what color is the sky to a bunch of 16 year olds, they're all going to look it up on their phones to make sure that it's blue before any one of them feels comfortable putting their hand up and saying blue. Nobody wants to say anything that hasn't been confirmed or said elsewhere and to try to get them to do creative writing because I teach, I teach English in, in history as well. So to even make an opinion about something in history that happened or connect the dots, mm-hmm. it's so difficult and we run into plagiarism constantly, constantly because everybody is scared to go outside of that box. And do you think, and like this is just from a parenting perspective and from you and I being people who, you know, have kind of one foot outside of the technology world because I'm making assumptions about your age and uh, comparing you to myself, but growing up when there was not this crazy access to the internet and then also having one foot in the age where everything, yeah, is so accessible. I mean, I think there's probably a few angles we could explore here. I think one is is the accessibility of information. Like if you have something in your pocket from your iPhone, then why do you need to memorize it or why do you need to put in the effort? I think also it's, it's just the consistent comparisons. You know, if we're scrolling Instagram and seeing how other people are shining and all of their highlights, you know, we always want to appear with the best foot forward. And so we don't want to come off as not being intelligent or not being glamorous and beautiful. And maybe that inhibits uh, our creativity. 
Absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely. It all does. Like, you know, I look around the classroom sometimes and I'll just see kids sitting there and they'll have their phone out in front of their face and they'll just be going and just making like faces, sticking out their tongue, winking at the camera. And I'm like, oh, they're just sitting there taking selfies for Snapchat right now. We're doing a lesson. They're taking selfies. Then they're going to be confused about what we're doing. Then they're mm-hmm. going to go online. Then they're going to plagiarize. And then nothing uh, is actually sticking in their minds. All rote memory memorization and that's it and it takes a really a unique kind of learner I think nowadays to actually take that a step farther and be willing to explore their own creative process and explore their creativity but it it's very few and far between I'm finding do you find that with your older kids or are they because of the field that you're in are, are they do they have more of a proclivity to it you know, each of my kids is is quite different. You know, I take pride. I actually during COVID, my youngest daughter's uh, school got shut down for several months, and so I took the opportunity to actually start a podcast with her. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, so yeah, so we're like, and I didn't think it would take, and it's really just kind of like a, um, a a hobby project. But you know, we're fifty episodes in at this point, and every Congrats. episode, yeah, every episode, I. I give her the opportunity to either tell a story or sing a song. And so I feel like she's starting to show evidence of, you know, practice and, you know, skill uh, in storytelling. And, and I think that's just because I've given her a platform and opportunity to practice. Uh, my older kids are creative in, in different ways, but, you know, some of the, my oldest, you know, I'd say she struggles with, uh, you know, anxiety and and a lot of things you know social acceptance and a lot of things that you know most of today's kids are are suffering from and I I feel like it it inhibits her creativity and and that makes me sad yeah no I I see that and um we actually we worked with Dove for a year on and we had them on this podcast for a year about with their campaign um because by the time girls are is it eight years old no 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 12 years old 80 percent of them have distorted an image of themselves online to make them appear a certain way. So not only is it dulling creativity and the ability to kind of work that muscle, but it's also dulling their ability to accept themselves as they come. And again, this is like not what we discussed talking about at the beginning of the interview, but I am just parent to parent. And, you know, our listeners would be interested in this too, if you're happy to talk about it. But how do you guys kind of monitor that as parents? Because that that's at such an age where it is getting a little bit scary, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I try to monitor it just by really looking into each of my children's strengths and, and trying to um, encourage them to pursue things that they're naturally interested in. Because, you know, like my oldest, when she was... I think five or six, like we put her in soccer and like, she like didn't have any incentive to like actually <laughs> get closer to the ball or to move quickly towards the ball. And we thought, you know, soccer maybe isn't for her. It's an athletic example, but you know, we found that she is really into STEM. And so she is really into, you know, 3d printing and uh, robotics and things like that. And, and so I just try to find ways to encourage her within those areas that she's passionate about, because I think that's where she still kind of has a glimmer of confidence yeah. and a glimmer yeah. of, of creativity. And I, I want to nurture that. Now, when it comes to like actual online stuff, I remember when computers first you know, came out, I guess, like when everybody started actually having a home computer, when they became affordable, 
and we had our home computer and it was like the coolest thing and the only game my brother and i had on it this is after a certain point was doom did you ever play that uh yeah i played a lot of video games I probably played doom. <laughs> so we would play doom but we were only allowed to have a half hour each on the computer okay. a day so we'd like fight over the prime time to play doom and everything and then of course when we started doing other things as the years went on like we're playing neopets and all this weird online stuff but it was a half hour a day no more we definitely weren't gonna let it be less and I, th I thought that was a great boundary that my parents set and now it's like I, I don't know where my boundaries went because I have such a hard time setting boundaries for myself with my phone and my husband has the same problem maybe he'll he would say differently but I can tell you he has the same problem now do you allow your kids computer time tablet time cell phone time anything like that uh yeah yeah i do uh i actually uh just did some consumer research that uh was on this very topic and, and one thing that we learned was that obviously COVID has changed you know parenting habits yeah. and and just how strict parents are but one thing i also found interesting is once you relinquish control or once you loosen control it's almost impossible to take back and so uh, if you do find yourself sliding, then, you know, like I'll give you one example. My older kids recently started doing more like the 3D printing stuff and things on the computer. And before it had been, you know, strictly, you know, ask mom or dad if you can go on the computer. <laughs> now I'm finding them just like hanging out in the office, like futzing around on the Internet. And I'm like, no, <laughs> this isn't going to happen. So I, I've had to uh, kind of reassert my you know, parental control as old as that makes me feel um, like I never wanted to be like that guy. But, you know, I think it's important to keep those boundaries. Uh, we limit, you know, my my kids love Nintendo. We limit that to twice a week. Well, it's so uh, fun. How could you not? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, in terms of TV, we, we limit that. Uh, you know, we try to stick under the hour. Sometimes it's two, um, but we try to limit that, especially on school days. It's usually max of two shows, uh, two 30 minute shows. All right, Drew, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics for your littles. I'm talking about fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfortable, and timeless, and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. What do you believe in more, quality or quantity? quality what yeah. about you i don't know we do buy a large quantity of quality mini miage products so i think the best of both worlds can collide yes and because we're buying such a quantity of the quality I like that. we're buying less quantity of things that are low quality which lasts longer and it just it works out and if you shop at mini miage you know that they are using organic cotton fabrics that are knit and dyed locally and GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. Sounds good. Sounds good because it is good. They're on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it and they believe that every little bit counts. So you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you are getting 15% off your order. They are available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. But we are also supported by True Earth. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that Shane and I are in the process of reducing our environmental footprint. 
What? <laughs> you just start with and? All right, go. <laughs> True earth, and. <laughs> and one way we are doing this is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household, which we've been doing a great job at. Because prior to this undertaking, you know, between the two of us and two kids, there was a lot of laundry between the four of us. It was just a mess and like a plastic detergent bottle graveyard. But once we discover True Earth Eco Strips, we have not looked back. What is really cool about it is that the detergent comes in these pre-measured soluble strips, which you simply rip apart and just toss in the wash. It's so easy. But the best part, as we said, no plastic. And because the packaging is so compact, it's drastically changed the tidiness of the laundry room. Shane, does it not look beautiful in there? Looks great. Not that I ever go in there. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, this is an equitable household. We both do the laundry. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> so as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, we opt for the baby detergent because it's fragrance free. It's gentle on everybody's skin, yet it's still so tough on dirt. Our clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean. So check out True Earth Detergent at True.Earth and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 to get 10% off your order. You will love this product. Take my word for it. Again, that is True.Earth and ThisFamilyTree10. And now let's get back to our interview with Drew. I think those are such fair boundaries. Those are amazing boundaries. Those are boundaries that myself and other people I know during this time would aspire to. Like days like today when my husband and I, we could barely move. And like I moved to get my COVID test and that was that was pretty much it. And it's like the TV's on in the background mm -hmm. all day. They're not watching it all day. They watch it for like, you know, two minute spurts here and there. But it's still on. It's still there. And it's like the safety net almost. And I realized we actually had to set a boundary a few weeks ago, maybe a month now. We had, because um, we couldn't have our kids, like I'm immunocompromised, my baby's immunocompromised, right? So we've been playing it really safe. And uh, so I couldn't put my older one into like the dance lessons or whatever that she would have liked to go into. So we were doing YouTube ballet lessons every day and she was loving it and it was great. And I didn't even really consider that screen time because we were doing it actively and she was really taking it seriously. It was awesome. And I thought that was such a good way that technology can make such a positive difference. But then after the one ballet lesson, this stupidest, oh my gosh, it was like the stupidest thing on YouTube came up and it's just a person playing with like figurines, like like princess figurines and making mm -hmm. the princess figurines say things. And she's just watching an adult play with figurines. And it's weird. And there's no substance to it. There's nothing good about it, but she became addicted to it. So then she started wanting, oh, can I watch one more princess show? So I was like, oh, okay, like whatever, we'll watch one more. They're like 10 minutes long, she watches it. And then she started getting really cranky about it every day after that. So we just had to say no more YouTube. We can do ballet lessons. Absolutely nothing else. And it was tough for a couple of days, but then she got it. And now mm -hmm. she she doesn't ask about it really anymore. If yeah. she sees it by accident, she will. But that that was scary. That was my first brush with her having almost an addiction like reaction to technology. Like have have your kids ever experienced that? It was really weird. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, what you mentioned with the dance, like, I think there's a purpose to that. There's a, mm. there's something that you're trying to achieve. Like, uh, I, I would consider that as, you know, productive screen time or yeah. screen time uh, directed towards the purpose. I think it's where you turn your brain off and, you know, it's like the proverbial, like couch potato, like 
just sitting there like being spoon fed, you know, just mindless garbage for lack of a better term. Like my kids are susceptible to that. I'm susceptible to that. Like, I think it's something that you have to keep uh, in check and at the fine line, because you don't want to shame yourself or your kids or guilt yourself or your kids, especially if you're dealing with extenuating circumstances. I know that childcare is, is uh, disrupted for a lot of people. People are getting COVID and, and the flu. And, and I yeah. think there's grace for all of that. I don't mean to like screen shame anybody or judge anybody, <laughs> um, but it's also something for you to determine for your own household. Like what, what are your limits going to be and yeah, what, yeah. what boundaries are you going to hold yourselves to? Because I think you can really foster that creativity and, and encourage your kids to be more productive with their day mm-hmm. than if they're just um, on the couch uh, after school all day. And now, now another personal interest question, do you set like screen time boundaries for yourself in the day? Like whether it's just for yourself or whether it's you in front of your kids on your phone, do you, Mm -hmm. do you try to do anything like that? Uh, I would say I am less on like the duration of screen time. I'm, uh, you know, on on zoom all day. I'm on email (laughs) all day. Like I I can't get away with that unless I, you know, want to find a different job. What I have done is I've made a rule like eight to eight rule where I don't, look at a screen before 8am. And I try not to look at my phone after 8pm. I'm still usually like watching TV or something, but I try to put my phone away uh, after 8pm. I've also put my phone on grayscale, um, which is kind of a pain in the butt sometimes, but I didn't know um, you could do that. Yeah, you can actually put your phone on grayscale. It helps kind of limit the, uh, I don't know if it's serotonin or the dopamine rush that you get when you're scrolling Instagram in full vibrant color. Yeah, You have less of that. People's vacation photos would look a lot less um, jealousy inducing, I guess. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, it's less pleasurable to to look (laughs) at a grayscale photo. Uh, It's also a little bit of a social hurdle because if you ever show your screen to anybody, you're like... (laughs) You have to explain like why it looks broken, but uh, that's really made me conscious of the elective, you know, use of my personal device. I think that's so smart. I don't know if I, I couldn't do that because so much of my work is uh, TikTok and Instagram, but I like, I wonder if I could do that just for a few hours in a day, even like until a certain time, then until after that, because that would be helpful. I would need that. I need that for nighttime because now at night, I'm just trying to only stick to our word games. We play Wordle every morning. Mm-hmm. And then at nighttime, we practice with other five-letter <laughs> word games. And we play like 30 before we go to bed. And uh, so if I just kept it to that, because that's active, productive screen time, I would yeah. say. I will confess, uh, I, it's hard for me to tell uh, the difference between green and yellow on Wordle if, uh, <laughs> if it plays on grayscale. So sometimes I do have to toggle it, but I try to remember to toggle it back after. Did you do today's? Uh, I'm on round three. I, there you go. I've got a few letters, um, but uh, I've got to finish that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll let you get going so you can do I got it on three today. I was proud of okay. myself because yesterday it was like five. It was It was embarrassing. But uh, Drew, where can folks go to check out Tony's Box, check out you, your research, everything like that? Uh, yeah, so we're available at tonys.com, T-O-N-I-E-S.com. That's our uh, our direct consumer uh, site. We're also uh, popping up in more targets uh, as well as Best Buy, Barnes & Noble, Pottery Barn Kids, 
We're an independent uh, specialty retail in the U.S. Uh, we hope to be expanding into Canada soon, so uh, your Canadian listeners can find us uh, before too long. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, that's probably the best place to find us. No, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sitting down with us and talking not just about screen time for kids in general, but you know your own, your personal experience with it as a parent and a person who has grown addicted to phones like the rest of us. Yeah, well, I, uh, it's been great to, to chat with you and to meet you. Uh, I listened to a couple of your episodes. It seems like a very uh, engaging podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and to, to meet you. Thank you. No, we have lots of fun with it. And I want to check out the one with you and your daughter. What's it called? Uh, it's called Childhood, uh, which is probably not good for search, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Childhood. Yeah, we just, we talk, we share stories. We, uh, uh, I think I build it as, you know, sharing our childhoods together or something cheesy, but uh, awesome. it's really a chance for me to to hang out with my five-year-old. No, that sounds like the cutest thing ever. I'm so down to hear and I can't wait. But Drew, truly so nice meeting you. And thank you so much for your time today. All right. Thanks. Take care. Take care of you as well. Okay. That was Drew Vernon. Drew Vernon. Super interesting. I need to check out this toy, the Tony box that he was talking about. It sounds awesome. Uh, and really cute too. I like the idea that the kids can like record their own thing. But yeah, gotta we gotta slowly phase out the screen time, Shane. And I think the best way to do that, I, I've been doing a lot of things like that since this interview, is we just make the list of what they're allowed to watch really small. And we just have five shows or movies, whatever, that they're allowed to watch. And that's it. And they could choose from any of those five. The rest of the shows are broken. Okay. What do you think of that? Or if we just make them watch terrible shows, like the most <laughs> irritating shows ever. And it's like, you have to watch Donkey Dance. And it's just like, <laughs> for like two hours. And that's all they can watch. But I like that we're still giving them two hours of like useless TV time. But it's like, watch all the Donkey Dance you want. And it's just a really annoying guy in a donkey outfit dancing. I'll See, film it. You're going to make Donkey Dance? Yeah, it's just me on a loop going, in a really annoying song. It could be a million dollar idea. Yeah. Look at Blippi. He's rolling in crack cash. Yeah. <laughs> crack. <laughs> Is that a joke? Because he did defecate on. Yeah, if you don't know, uh, new listeners, I think we've talked about in the past, but Blippi, original Blippi, not fake Blippi that's out there now, but original Blippi tried to go viral with a what's that video called like the Scat? the harlem shake oh yeah it was yeah yeah the harlem shake trend um but he he pooped on his friend on video and yes. then did everything in his power to legally get it off the internet but it's still there you can see it in like a gif or a gif it's like a scat video pooping yeah <laughs> scat scatological art or something i think he was trying to call it <laughs> but Speaking of scatological art, this is my favorite part of the show. This is Ooh. the mailbag segment. This is where Alex takes you, the listeners, questions and answers them. And I'm along for the ride. All right. We're going for it. On Coffee Convo's podcast. Do you know that podcast? No. Nope. I've never heard of it. On Coffee Convo's podcast, they mentioned that watching porn is a form of cheating. Do you agree? So my answer to this before I looked it up because I want to see what the expert said would be 
it, it depends. It depends what your relationship it is. It depends what you've been through. It depends what your boundaries are. And it's going to look different. What might be cheating to in one relationship is not going to be cheating in the next. If the porn is of you and your mistress, it for sure is cheating them. <laughs> but that that's something that you have to work out with your partner. And I think giving a blanket statement is not helpful to anybody. But that's that's where I'd go with it. But then I looked it up. I found an article from Dr. Natasha Sharma. She's a relationship expert and she's the creator of the Kindness Journal. So more knowledgeable in this than me. And she essentially just echoed what we said about, you know, what constitutes cheating in one relationship may not in another. So you need to determine the boundaries. But essentially, she brings it back to if you think your partner would be upset with what you're doing, then that's a slippery slope and gets into territory you don't want to be in. So if your partner was there beside you, are they going to be cool with the fact that you are doing this one thing or not, essentially? But she said, if watching porn becomes a substitute for sex or stimulation by your own partner, then that is where it is a problem and may actually become cheating in a sense if you're like swapping it out. You know what I mean? Swapping that connection. So yeah, don't, you know, take what Coffee Convo says just as canon and, you know, think about your own relationship and what your own boundaries are. What would you add to that? What if you watch porn to get the motivation to have intercourse with your partner? Is that good or bad? I think that's an issue um, personally, and I'd have to look up what the experts say, but I think there'll be an issue for the guy. Like if, if one of, or for the partner watching the porn. So if the, I think maybe do it together or something as like a thing to do. But if, if the, if one person in the relationship is having difficulties getting aroused because they're so used to watching porn and they can't get aroused without watching porn that is something that maybe they should work on because you don't want to have to rely on porn to get aroused and enjoy an actual physical real life connection so what what if you're a partner and you've noticed anytime your partner is watching outlander that night happens to be a hanky (laughs) panky night should that partner be offended (laughs) hypothetically speaking you can watch outlander with me i can there's there's boobs in it. Everybody's getting naked. It's not just the guys. <laughs> I need boobs in Outlander. In my pocket, I've got 20 million boobs. That sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I wouldn't use Outlander to be my thing to um, no, and neither, me me, and neither would I. And, you know, like... I, yeah, again, I they think... They say that, when you look to the right, when you're saying something, it's a lie. Where did I look? To the right. That's left. You just moved your whole head to obviously like force it that way. <laughs> I'm saying if it's like a natural thing, your eyes just started to the right. No, but I don't and... Why are your eyes closed? I was looking at my phone to see what the next question was, <laughs> dummy. Here. You take everything so serious, <laughs> especially when you're lying. <laughs> Okay, next question. But yes, comes down to your relationship with your partner, your own boundaries. And yeah, if you can't get into actual sex with your partner without looking at porn, you have a porn problem. 
And that's that. So next question. How hard is it to go from one kid to two kids? Can't wait and scared to death at the same time. I don't like it. Uh, the transition, <laughs> it's not as easy as the one for zero to one is way easier than one to two. See, it's different for me. For me, zero to one was the hardest because of all the body stuff and it's, it's wild. And then one to two is difficult and it has its own set of challenges. But for me, I'm already used to not sleeping and always being hands on deck. You were bawling your eyes out. The second your parents left, mm -hmm. to, like they did a visit once uh, Betty was born, who's our second child, and then the door closed, instantly you started crying. And you said, I can't do this. I know, it was scary. And it was very terrifying for me. I did the same thing zero to one when it was just Lucy. I was bawling my eyes out. I couldn't nah, even sleep. That was more of like a happy, joyous thing. With two, it was freaky. It was scary. The house <laughs> felt like a haunted house or something. There was always weird noises and it Nothing's never felt changed, safe. Nothing's changed, clearly. It's way better now. Well, I'm just moving with the cat barfing wind noise. Yeah, the if you add an animal to the equation, it's much harder. I'm a firm believer in do not get pets. Yeah, yeah. I just it's too much. It is a lot. It's a lot. If we had a pet right now, I would not be able to do. Like, can you imagine? Right now, we're just getting ready to relax. The kids are in bed. We have to take a dog for a walk. Yeah, and then pick up its poop. <laughs> Or like a lot of people pretend they're picking it up and then leave Oh, I hate the people that leave it Oh, there. I would never do that. Oh. But I like dogs better than cats, but I'd rather have a cat than a dog out of the simplicity of taking yeah. care of a cat. Same, same. Okay. Oh, and that question actually had an extra little segment, which isn't a part of the question, but it's just a little love. It says, P.S. Love you guys. We follow you from Italy. Oh, mamma mia. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. So next question. How do you make sure to get a good night's sleep? Well, if you listen to the open, clearly I'm not doing that. But we try and we really had a good habit, I think, when I was on mat leave last year. And that is I'd get up at six with the kids or earlier, like whatever time they would get up in the morning. And then at seven, Shane and I do a swap. So then he'd sleep that extra time. And then at seven, I'd get to go to bed and then he'd stay with the kids. And that was so crucial like that Shane that kept me sane I think the fact that we were able to do that and we were really only able to do that even because of the pandemic because of you working at home if you were back in Toronto I would have been a disaster mm -hmm. and getting to bed early never go to bed later than let's say 10 you're, you're guaranteed a good sleep look yeah. okay let's do the math here okay go to bed at 10 let's say you're like you who falls asleep mm -hmm. a little bit easier fall asleep right at 10 so all of 10, all of 11, all of 12, all of 1, all of 2, all of 3. If you make it to 4 a.m., you've had a six-hour sleep. Yeah, that's good. They say six is the what you need to have a fully rested brain, right? So six as, at a minimum. Eight. Eight's optimal. Yeah. Six is the minimal between the optimal six to eight hours See, of sleep. See, what time did we go to bed last night? Because I feel like I didn't sleep enough. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think we went a little, we went past midnight because mm. there was a three hour time difference in Vancouver. Yeah. So we, we were both all messed up and excited to see each other. And we were watching shows. Yeah, we were catching up on the, the Kanye doc. The so really, good. Very good doc. And that LOL show, which we play along to, which is Laugh Out Loud Canada or whatever. Sounds like it'd be a bad show, but it's, 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 it's actually it's, kind it's, of fun if you watch it correctly. No, it, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I think honestly going to bed past 12 affected that's part of the reason a small part of the reason of how i'm feeling how i am today yeah you know okay next question 
What are the best activities to have at a kid's party? For example, pass the parcel. If it wasn't for Peppa Pig, I would never know what the heck pass the parcel was. What is it? It's like music plays and the kids pass around a parcel, like a gift type thing. Oh, it's like musical chairs. The music stops. You have the parcel and then you get the crappy daddy or something. Yeah. They actually exactly beat the kid? Exactly that. Yes. Oh. No, you don't get beat. I used to You're call that human out. pinata. <laughs> okay. So I would say if you can get a bouncy castle, you can't go wrong. And you can get them pretty cheap, actually. Like, How much? I think you can get them for like two fifty for a day rental, like okay. a little one. Yeah. So if you have some kids come over, that's a great way to just throw the kids in the bouncy castle all day. They tire themselves out. They have a great time. Like it's awesome. Uh, another idea. I don't think you can go wrong with Twister. Twister for kids. I don't know. For some reason, in my mind, that's for like adults. Dude. Okay, only adults are going to think it's only for adults. I loved playing Twister when I was a kid. It was so fun. You get all twisted up and then you fall down. It's like, oh, I lost. Okay, yeah. I've never played. Oh, it was so much fun. And then scavenger hunt. Scavenger hunt is probably one of the best things you can do with kids. Like hide, like do little, you know, chocolates everywhere. Give them a little list of things they need to find. They go out in pairs or groups of three. Like, that's so fun. Because then as a kid, really, you could do it with lots of different age levels and then just do, like, you know, more difficult hiding and, like, cooler stuff. But then you could do, like, the easiest ones with kids. It could be so much fun. What's the coolest thing you think you could possibly hide that a kid would really like besides, like, chocolates? No, I, I'm just saying, like, the cool – like, you could do cool ways to do it because I think you can do stuff like that on apps now. And they could, like – Oh, like that Pokemon Go game? Yeah, but the, there there is a version. Geo something? Geotagging. It's like scavenger hunts, but I bet there's an app that you could like make so you could do your own personalized ones. Like that would be so cool. A treasure map, I think, would be the coolest thing oh, where you so actually fun. get a treasure chest and you bury it somewhere. Like you bury it so well yeah. that you actually let grass grow over it. So oh. this is like a long play. So you're, yeah, you're, you're planning a year in advance. Yes, I think that would be the coolest thing ever to do for a kid. That'd be so much fun. We should have a pirate-themed birthday party for Lucy and bury treasure. Did you ever do a time capsule when you were a kid? Uh, yeah, like for myself, we did them in like, you know, grade one and opened them in grade five kind that of thing, could be like fun at school. For it kids. was so fun, yeah. That could be really cool. Yeah, actually, when my one cousin turned one, like on her first birthday – her parents asked that everybody brought something that was just very of that year to put in this time capsule that she was going to open when she was 13. Mm-hmm. And they did it. And I'll never forget, I brought a magazine. It was like J14 and it or um, teen people because there was a teen, like version of people, but teen people. And it had uh, Melissa Joan Hart and her sister, whose name I can't remember, on the cover. But it was all about them like being like power sisters and just so, you know, 1996 or whatever that was. It was very funny. What did you do with it? You buried it? Well, her her parents took it. I think they just put it in the attic or something. It was just like a capsule that she wasn't allowed to open until she was 13. And then when she opened it, she had all these like little tokens and toys and gifts from when she turned one and from whatever year that was. It was pretty yeah. neat. That magazine's probably worth a lot of money right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. But Shane, anything else you'd add? Fun activities? 
Yeah, I, I added the whole treasure hunt to thing. Oh, okay. I thought you were just building on my scavenger hunt. It was a build, but it was also an ad and a very good one at that. No, I like it. Okay, next question. In Australia, influencers won't get paid or get free things to advertise skincare on social media. What? All right. What are your thoughts on this? Okay, so it's worded a little difficult, but I looked this up. Just Is this to the get... real Miss Blondie? Yeah. Come She's on. She's Australian. Miss... Yeah, I know. Let's, <laughs> let's work on the wording here. So I looked it up and Australian influencers, there is a new law. They are not allowed to be promoting health items now. So there's a ban and it is a ban on vitamins, skincare, protein powders, sunscreen, supplements, medicine, and skin lightening products. And it's even retroactive. So now influencers are having to go back in their history of social media and take down any posts that they were poed to prom- promote a certain brand skincare or something or you said poed to promote we're keeping that <laughs> you just went right by that like it was nothing i didn't realize okay people know what you meant <laughs> it's okay i was just like oh is she gonna rewind that no i didn't realize uh or things that they were given for free right and it's it's interesting because when i think of it like I don't put supplements. I get that because there are a lot of supplements. Like you think of skinny tea and all these teas that make you poop and whatnot and just other supplements. And they can be really unhealthy and bad for your body. But then putting that on the same thing as like sunscreen and skincare doesn't really seem the same. Skin lightening products absolutely should not be promoted on social media. But what do you think about that? I had a sunscreen once that made me poop and, uh, <laughs> you know, you never know what the side effects are going to be of these products. So maybe it's good. <laughs> it, it is interesting, mostly because I don't know if I'd put health, sorry, I don't know if I'd put skincare in the health category. I might consider it more in the beauty category. So if you oh, can, good like, I don't know. Good skin is good health, right? No, it is. It, it's, it, it's just. Not everything has to be anti-aging. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting to me, um, and it's interesting to me even that it's retrospective. But yeah, I don't know. I Is don't know. Retrospective, the same as retroactive. Oh no, retroactive. Okay, I was. <laughs> I'm here to learn too, so. guys. I, I'm losing my mind. I'm so tired. It's okay. We only got two more questions left. The next one's real easy. Wait, no, we don't have two left. We have a few left, and one of them is not easy. But the next one is, who is your favorite celebrity that comes from Canada? I had no idea that so many famous people are from there. I like Michael J. Fox. He's a good one. I like Seth Rogen. Yeah, that's a good one too. Nathan Fielder is another good one. Yeah, so many amazing Canadians. As far as like uh, girl crushes, Rachel McAdams. Martin, I love Martin her. Short's really good. Eugene Levy. He's girl crush? No, Martin Short's <laughs> not my girl crush. He's a man. Um my girl crush from Canada. Oh, there was this cover girl I liked. She was from Hamilton. I saw her at Limeridge Mall once. Uh, Chrissy, no, uh, Keegan, something. Yeah, I don't know. She was a good one. What do you mean, cover girl? She was a cover girl. <laughs> you know, they had those like super cover girls or whatever. Wait, like the cover girl makeup or like on like the, the models, sunshine? Not sunshine girl. <laughs> <laughs> the sunshine girls are like a local newspaper babe in a bikini yeah i like those people are fine but they're not like oh i could never be with a sunshine girl maybe i can't i don't know <laughs> i feel like you could have been a sunshine woman i wasn't 
They never asked me. I know, but you uh, never. I'm not even gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna say. Okay, Chrissy um, something. But I start with them all. Yeah, continue. <laughs> okay, do you ever think that we will live in a world that doesn't have wars? No. Is this the hard question? Yeah, they're not yeah. hard. Just you know, a little bit of a downer. I'd like to think so. That's obvious. That's not a some profound thing. Um. I'd like to think so. Yeah, I'm going to be optimistic here. This is an optimistic podcast. I think it it can happen. I think people one day, not now, but a thousand years from now, I think people realize. See, I don't know that we would be able to unless there was a total upheaval of everything that we, every system, everything that we believe in, everything. Like there wouldn't, it would just have to be a, a total upheaval of everything, including countries, including how we view the world. And I know that that's even a big problem, right? People don't want to think of like the world being united under one thing. But I think that would be the only way we couldn't have wars. Like, I don't think it's possible. Like, you mean if there was an alien invasion, would that unite us? No. Well, I mean, that's a war in itself. And then I think once the aliens were gone, people would fight over the scraps that were left on Earth. I, I think it would have to be like, impossible unless bill and ted came down and then there was like a worldwide government led by bill and ted based on the concepts of like groove and radness and just happiness like that and i i don't think it's possible yeah still a very intellectual philosophical conversation you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) um does pineapple belong on pizza quick answer shame we're going to answer on the count of three one two three yes yeah why did you take so long? I'm not, I I don't have all the answers at my disposal like you. Well, I thought you'd be able to just, does pineapple belong on pizza? Your own personal opinion? Well, it can be on a pizza, you yeah. You ate pineapple pizza tonight, like I know three that. hours ago. I didn't know if it belonged. I was thinking about it the whole time. I was like, does this belong here? I enjoy it, but it, it doesn't belong maybe if I'm at a party because it's not for everyone. It's such a polarizing thing. It's It's not quite anchovies. No. But it's in the anchovy conversation of no, polarizing it's not. items. You don't Nobody's, think it's polarizing? Not, I think it's polarizing, but not in the sense like if you get an anchovy in your mouth, you're spitting that out because that is so salty. It is so in your face. You get a pineapple in your mouth, you'll be like, oh, this is weird, but you might still chew it and swallow it. Yeah, but I mean, there's two items on a pizza, common pizza items pepperoni and cheese. Yes, that is extremely common, but I mean, there's two polarizing. <laughs> common pizza items in the world anchovies mm. and i guess maybe it's debatable whether anchovies are common <laughs> what about mushrooms mushrooms aren't weird no i don't think so but some people don't like them i don't like them you ate them tonight i did and actually shane I, here i want to give you a little credit because you came into this relationship, which we realized we may have been, this might be our seventh year of marriage. We're not sure. We have to sit back and actually do the math on it. We might have been together for eight years this summer, which is crazy. And which is almost a decade, which is kind of scary. But you came at the beginning of this relationship, not liking mushrooms, not liking onions. And you've been eating like mushroom based foods with me, cooking them. I still don't like them. But you're you're trying them and you're eating them and you're putting them in your, you know. I also stopped watching sports. I the things <laughs> you do, you know. There's so many things that I don't do anymore that I wish I was, and you know. 
But it's it's all for the greater good, and I'm a better person and happier person for it. Overall, I'm happier. <laughs> Next question. That's it. That's it? Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone. Give us that five-star rating if you can, even though you haven't been doing it. What? Oh, I just thought of something to add to the Canadian celebrities. Who? And this is solely so people can go and watch our funny video with him. Hayden Christensen, guys. He's Darth Vader. He is younger, hotter Darth Vader. I wouldn't call it a funny video. (laughs) People do not like this video. No one finds it funny except for Alex and I. We did a cooking show with Hayden Christensen. It was a joke cooking show. Yes, it is a joke. It was intended to be funny. Hayden, by the way, loved it. He wasn't Hayden it. Uh, seriously though he liked it so people think we were just annoying Hayden the whole time he liked it check it out it's called Shane's Digital Dessert uh, with Hayden Christensen it's very funny but thank it, you you're so- gonna cringe the whole time sorry keep going Shane thank you for listening to this, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast episode 122 <laughs>